This is Alex Addix from the Practical Defense Podcast. You're listening to Karate Cafe, where you'll find unbiased opinion on traditional martial arts. It's unscripted, too, as I'm certain you're going to find out and regret greatly. Welcome to Karate Cafe, your source for martial art conversations since 2005. Karate Cafe is sponsored by Piranha Gear. Go to www.piranagear.com for all your martial art equipment needs. And now, here are your hosts, Dan and Paul. Hello again, everybody. This is Paul with another episode of Karate Cafe. Um, I'm flying out solo again tonight. Uh, Dan is again busy. Uh, he wasn't busy last week. I hope you all caught our interview with uh, J. Gabriel Gates and uh, talking about his new book, uh, Dark Territory. That was an interesting show. We're going to have another interview for you um, this next week uh, with yet another author of yet another martial arts themed book, and uh, that should be pretty darn interesting. Uh, we've already got somebody uh, listening to the show. Uh, I hope there's some other people streaming. That would be great. Uh, of course, you're listening to this later as a recording. You're listening now, and I appreciate you listening, too. Uh, we've got uh, Scott from Illinois, who's uh, streaming and listening to us. Uh, a black belt studying Yoshukai Karate and Kabuto in central Illinois. So thank you, Scott, for uh, joining us tonight. Uh, we'll probably be talking, and, and by us, I mean me and and you and anyone else who's listening. Uh, we uh, start off with a couple of announcements. First, got some seminar uh, announcements. Uh, first, uh, and closest to my heart, is a, uh, a seminar run by uh, Temamoye-sensei up in Everett, Washington at the Evergreen Karate and Kabuto Club. He's in our federation of Kinshin Khan, and he will be having a seminar in October uh, the 14th through the 16th uh, of October. Uh, it's the, the Fall Kabuto Seminar. Uh, he'll be uh, covering um, Bo uh, Hamahiga Kata, uh, Hamahiga Sai, uh, Kamfa, uh, Kama and Tomfa, uh, and uh, he will. That'll be run all week again, the 14th through the 16th. Uh, please RSVP. Uh, he's in Everett, Washington, and uh, you can get a hold of him uh, by email at sensei at uh, ekkc-nw.com, or just go to the website ekkc dash uh, com. that would be great it's going to be a good uh, seminar he's uh, he teaches uh, law enforcement uh, he's involved in law enforcement himself uh, he's a veteran and uh, he knows a lot of stuff and uh, I've trained with him he's a good friend of mine and uh, it might be a chance I might be able to get up there uh, if not um, he should have as a special guest uh, John Shipes uh, Hunchy who's our regional director down here and will come up there and uh do the do. So that's uh, pretty good. You can contact him for all the uh, info and the uh, the rates. And again, it's the 14th through the 16th of October uh, of this year, 2011. And again, uh, ekkc-nw.com or you can uh, drop me an email at uh, karatecafe at gmail.com and we will give you the, the info there. Uh, let's see, also the Okinawan Karate Club of Dallas uh, run by our good friend uh, Eileen Smoger. We have had her on the show for an interview before. Uh, they're hosting a, uh, a seminar on November 5th. Uh, apparently a one-day seminar. Uh, it's going to go from 9 to 5. Um, and we'll be uh, uh, featuring uh, Bill Hayes, who is a direct student of Grandmaster Shimabu Kuro of uh, Shonenru. Uh, studied in Okinawa, trained with the Masters, um, 10th degree, 
and uh, he'll be there uh, performing uh, kata and uh, talking about uh, the old concepts of Shonru, life protection mindsets, warrior wellness, and their uh, application through the kata. Uh, if you need more information, you can go to their website, okcdallas.com, and, uh, or again, drop us a line, we'll let you know. Uh, it'd be great for you guys to go. I'm going to try and make it to that one. That should be uh, a pretty good show uh, in and of itself. Um, let's see. Uh, I'll chat. Make sure we can have everybody chat. Speaking of which, um, I want you guys to remember that uh, you can. I'm just letting the people who are listening be able to uh, to go. Uh, you guys can, uh, as always, give us a call uh, if you want to call into the show seven two four 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 four. 7444 uh, and uh, just put in the call ID 66603 uh, and you can uh, listen to the show you can call and uh, ask some questions as always you can email us at karatecafe at gmail.com you can also text us with uh, some questions or comments at 469-844-5791 and you can get us on the Twitter at at karatecafe all one word I'm checking uh, and we have nothing from the Twitterverse, so bummer. Um, anyway, so there we go. Uh, let's see, let's get back to what we were doing. I was going to talk about some various, I was going to talk about the seminars, and I was also going to talk about some of the topics that we've had. We've, we've got a, a list of topics to go on, and I will. Um, cover them with as much detail as is necessary. You know, uh, let's start with this. And this is one that was on the back burner for a while, uh, Booze and the Martial Arts. Uh, this was actually brought about by our good friend Alex Haddock, um, who was talking about, um, you know, how it affects you physiologically. Uh, one of the things that, that I wanted to talk about and cover is the actual uh, social aspects of it. Now, uh, it's probably pretty well known that uh, booze and martial arts have kind of gone together. I mean, uh, the Japanese culture are, are are known for their drinking, and uh, many of the martial artists I know were also known for their drinking. Um, we actually had one of the members of our federation who actually led our federation in the United States for quite a while uh, kind of got removed because uh, he was getting out of hand uh, with his drinking and, you know, it, Far be it for me to point a finger. I know at a seminar, kumpai parties are, are pretty popular. Um, you know, so as a social mechanism, it's kind of ingrained in martial arts, uh, as, at least especially uh, traditional martial arts and you know Okinawan slash uh, Japanese martial arts. Um, and uh, the one time that I've had an issue with it, you know, for me it was uh, one day I was actually back home from the navy, and uh, I. A friend of mine, a friend of our family, is a was an old retired marine, and he wanted to uh, have a beer with me and whatnot. So he told my mom to meet him down at this bar, <laughs> pretty sketchy looking bar. Uh, anyway, but we went over there, and uh, he insisted on plying me with drinks. Well, I had to uh, go to class that night, <laughs> and then I, I also had to uh, end up teaching because I got there. My my instructor was like, "Oh, yeah, we need you to teach." So on the way to class. I actually stopped and, and got like a huge handful of uh, you know Tic Tacs, and I was just eating those all the way over there. 
on the upside, I'm, I think my kata and, and my teaching was pretty fluid, but on the other hand, I was then teaching class uh, with a buzz on, uh, which I don't recommend because I was really paranoid. And there were a bunch of parents there for some kids that were trying out the class. Uh, it was a little crazy. So uh, one thing I, I, I don't recommend is doing that. That's uh, That's not... Good. Uh, if anyone there has any uh, comments, anyone listening uh, has any comments about any of that, please remember, let us know. Uh, give us a call, send us an email, IM us if you're listening, or uh, give us a text. You know, the, the Kumpai parties, you know, are, are kind of a rite of passage and kind of a requirement, it seems, uh, especially at the black belt level. Uh, I remember when uh, I was a green belt at a seminar in Colorado and I got kind of invited into the uh, Kampai party because it was at somebody's house and you know I was like literally sitting at the feet of the Grandmaster and he was drinking and they were talking about the 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 rituals and stuff of you know holding you know covering the bottom you know not showing your feet and, and all that sort of stuff and uh, so that was a learning experience in and of itself uh, from the social aspects from the um, karate aspects, you know, you, you could actually, you know, point back and go like, okay, you know, you're being precise, you're attention to detail, any of that stuff. Uh, you, you can actually say reflects back and forth uh, on uh, karate and as, as an aspect of your training. And then, uh, you know, also uh, maintaining decorum, maintaining protocol, you know, all those things are important and probably harder when, when you're a little bit liquored up. Um, but, you know, one of the things that uh, is a story that I've heard is uh, um, Shoto Kayan, who uh, was a Shonru instructor, you know, back in the day, fortunately passed uh, during World War II. Uh, supposedly, he advocated, you know, uh, drinking and, you know, visiting prostitutes <laughs> as a part of, of uh, karate training. If there's anyone there from his lineage listening, feel free to to, to debunk or uh, pump up the myth, uh, as you will. Um but uh, you know, I think it's after a while it gets a little out of hand. Uh, I think it gets it, it can be. You know, I obviously, as I said, put the anecdote before. Do not advocate uh, drinking and training. Uh, I can see where there might be an advantage to it, but in the end, uh, I don't think it's really worth it. The physiological aspects, of course, of drinking for a long time. Uh, the safety aspects of not, you know, having as much control as you probably should have. Uh, all of that um, is uh, reasons, obviously, not to train. Just like, you know, don't drink and drive, don't drink and um, kata, I guess. You know, uh, one of the things that we used to do after class, uh, we had an instructor who, he brewed his own beer. So we would have a, a couple of uh, beers uh, after class, you know, and, and you know, sometimes we do kata and, and you know, sometimes we kind of get kind of silly and do stuff but I mean it was it was controlled a couple beers you know sit around chit chat for a little while then head home um, you know uh, and I think that was an important important social aspect uh, you know for not just black belts I mean at, at that point it was you know anyone who was old enough to drink which is you know an important point um, and you know it wasn't a requirement, a requirement it wasn't anything other than you know hey we're having a couple beers after class so we'd sit in the dojo and have a couple of years and, and talk about things, uh, you know, and, and that was kind of one of the places where, you know, you, you kind of talk about the stories, you kind of talk about the theory. It's much more relaxed. Uh, it's much more um, open, you know, so uh, senior belts and, and junior belts can kind of talk to one another and, and you know, it's kind of a leveler. Um, but, you know, there are points where, you know, you've got to make sure that there's a line that you don't cross uh, and, you 
and, and, and which again can reflect in your training, can also reflect in your self-defense training. You know, understanding, you know, where you are in relation to everything else, and you know, how things can go wrong quickly, uh, can definitely be found training and drinking. Uh, you know, we had an instructor who, uh, as I came to find out, at some point was running seminars, and his big uh, thermos mug that he had was not full of water it was actually full of vodka <laughs> and uh and and some people got hurt and um some people almost left the federation <laughs> and uh it was it was a it was a bad time and it's sad because uh, the guy running the seminar was an awesome martial artist but that was you know kind of the last straw for uh some people that trained with him uh and so you know I caution martial artists out there you know if you have a problem, you know, seek help because you're you're affecting more than just yourself, and you're affecting more than your family. Obviously, you're also affecting your dojo family, and uh, as well as opening yourself up to, uh, you know, lawsuits and whatnot for hurting people. Uh, I really recommend that um, anyone uh, who's in kind of integrating the drinking as part of their uh, as part of their training, you know, as it were, uh, to really keep a, keep a, a, a tight rein on that uh, for a variety of reasons, which we've already kind of talked about. And uh, oh, it looks like um, Scott, uh, he read that too. Yeah, so you know, it's it's these these karate legends. You know, it's one of the things that you know that we've talked about before in the show is you know you got to kind of keep a a tight rein on those. Uh, the uh, <laughs> the uh, you know working on um, Oh, I may have just gotten a text right there. Let's find out. Or an email. Nope, someone just uh, but someone did just uh request to join the uh the f- the forum, which of course we all know we can go to cardicafe.com slash and click the forward uh click the forums button. If you haven't joined, please join and again, as always, make it a, a good username and if you've joined and haven't heard back, email me and uh we'll get you a get you in there because, again, the crazy spam stuff has happened. Um, anyway, uh, you know, touching upon, uh, you know, again, the martial art legends is people uh, will, you know, share these stories and, <laughs> and you know, probably one of the things that, that, you know, maybe people need to pay attention to is these stories are being told, you know, over a, you know, a glass of tea, as it were. And uh, so there's probably some embellishment, and there's probably some mishearing, and then the next thing you know, it becomes canon. And you know uh, what what somebody you know kind of recalls from from being half drunk of training with somebody, you know, then gets passed on to someone else who's half drunk. So that's actually a complete drunk trying to pass on that tale. And uh, you know the the defeats get larger, and you know the opponents get larger, and the punches get harder. Um, so you know that's one aspect that you know that can help and can hurt because in when when people have a couple drinks in them you know maybe some of your senior instructors or or whatnot will actually you know talk of the game and and start you know sharing some of the uh great things that they've learned uh that stuff that maybe you quote unquote shouldn't learn at that level uh but it's a great opportunity to learn those things i mean I learned a lot of things you know sitting sitting around drinking with, you know, my instructors and my instructor's instructors and other instructors, and, you know, you'll hear, you know, different versions of a story, and so now you've heard three versions of unexpurgated stories, <laughs> because uh, usually the 
the uh, along with the 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 kooky, you know, the the build-up factor of the legends, you also hear um, probably an unvarnished version as well. You know, uh, people will will tend to talk a little more forthrightly uh, at that time. So uh, some of that stuff you may want to keep close to your vest. Some of the stuff you may want to share. Uh, you know, some stuff you may want to confirm, as we as you should with with any martial art anecdote. Uh, you should always, you know, seek out multiple uh, sources. Um, I was reading in a, a martial art forum uh, recently. This is a tangent having absolutely nothing to do with uh, the, the drinking part, but um, it was somebody who had posted uh, some stories about my system, uh, or the system I study, uh, and, uh, and of course it was, you know, second, third, fourth-hand information that I knew to be incorrect, uh, or to be tainted, you know, <laughs> and so uh, I answered in the forum. I was like, uh, you essentially, you know, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, you're you're, you're telling a story of a story of a story that was misheard in the first place. You know, uh, for the, you know, and and please, you know, contact anybody related to uh, our system and ask the question. And uh, as far as I know, they haven't. Um, but. You know that's one of the things that really needs to be stressed, and we stressed it before, and I stress it again because it's important. Is you know, do your research, do your groundwork. You know, don't don't you know trust you know one drunken tale at a at a, at a company party after a seminar, as as being the way it is. You know, talk to other people. You know, just like you would um, if you got a. You know, they told you that this such and such technique was super awesome and can't be stopped. Well, you know, you may want to talk to somebody and find out, you know, what the real deal is and find out for yourself. Find out, uh, you know, the, find out the four different stories and then cut it down the middle and that's probably the the one that the one that makes most sense is probably the 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 real one. Um you know, as well as the the physiological aspects, you know, uh drinking too much, you know, we've all done it, I'm sure. I know I've done it is, you know, we go you work out Friday night, you have a, you know, maybe a party on Saturday night. That next day's training, not that great. <laughs> And there's probably drinking that was going on Friday night, so that next day's training also not that great. Um, you know, so you also don't get as much out of the seminar, I think, when you do that. If you, you know, you abuse your uh, your booze of choice, you know, or several boozes of choice, you know, the next day you just you don't feel good. You don't feel uh, you're not 100. percent You're not really willing, willing to learn. You're not ready to learn. Uh, you can be distractive in class, and uh, that takes away from everybody. I don't recommend that either. Um, but you know, uh, I, again, but that's also one of the things that that just like we learned, you know, when I was in the Navy, you know, it's one of the bonding things of you know everybody gets together, has a few drinks, starts talking. Uh, you know, wh- one year at a seminar, we uh, we were going to hold a, a coup. All the uh, the sandons, all the third degrees that have been training for a while, we're gonna we're gonna hold a a, a coup. Uh, sorry, a coup against um, basically everyone underneath us <laughs> because we had decided after you know drinking for an hour or two that you know people weren't rigid enough in their protocol, people weren't uh, you know adhering to the best practices, you know uh, there a lot of the respect wasn't there, you know the coverage of the technique and stuff wasn't there, and by God we were going to take it over. You know, and uh, you know, we were pretty deep in our cups, and we were, yeah, you know, supporting each other and and uh, telling the stories. Yeah, you know, we saw this guy who did this, and I saw this guy, and so uh, 
actually the coup didn't actually happen, but it's a subtle coup because uh, many of us that were in that hui that night uh, have kept in touch and have uh, you know shared notes and and have made what I think is strides. And several of us are, are fourth degrees now. Some of us are fifth degrees, and uh, you know, but it's for the betterment of the association. So you know that little bonding ceremony actually kind of cemented you know people of like minds, we kind of got together and we talked, which we probably wouldn't normally have done if we just went out and had dinner and then all went our separate ways. So that's a positive benefit of of booze and the martial arts that I think is uh, probably not um, expected. I think everyone's probably going more from our good friend Alex's standpoint, which is, you know, the physiological standpoint, which is important. Uh, It's also important to understand the physiological standpoint from a self-defense angle because as we all know uh, someone who's liquored up does not uh, feel the same things that someone who's not liquored up uh, does or at least not as readily. Uh, One of the things I talk about in self-defense seminars is you know being you know first level of awareness is uh, or first level of self-defense is awareness and being aware of what's going on is really important so you know if you're in a bar and someone is picking a fight with you and they're obviously kind of liquored up some of the techniques that you might choose to use may not work so well because, you know, they're kind of numb <laughs> or they're not going to feel anything. They may feel it the next day, uh, you know, but but some of those techniques that, you know, we all kind of fall back on, you know, kick into the groin or, you know, pressure points and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. you know, just pain compliance in general may not work. Uh, and coupled with that is if you've had a couple of drinks on you, your reflexes have slowed down. You know, your control is loose your uh, accuracy may not be as strong as it as it could be so you know you, you're kind of entering entering with an understanding that because you've decided to, to knock a couple back your technique and your application of technique might not work as well as you're going to think it's going to and that's my stance on that let's do a quick check make sure no one has sent us a tweet or an email I'm going to check uh, no one has no nothing you know, I'm all into the social media, and yet no one ever really socially mediaizes me. Um, so, anything. One of the things we were going to talk about. So, booze in the martial arts is kind of one of the things that that I covered. Uh, thank you very much, Scott. Scott said good points, and I always enjoy being uh, told I, I did a good job. Thank you very much. Um, you know, uh, one of the things that uh, we also kind of touched on, we've touched on before. And Den and I were going to talk about uh, was when to start sparring. Uh, I'm going to uh, touch on that because still got a couple minutes to um, to go here, and I'm not trying to pad. I'm just trying to keep talking, so people will find it kind of interesting, uh, and hopefully we'll continue on with the uh, discussion on the forums at KarateCafe.com. Uh, <coughs> is when to start sparring? You know, and it's it's kind of an interesting question for me because as an instructor I've recently just gotten uh, a couple of kids in my class so um, you know one of the things that that I'm trying to juggle with is you know I don't want to teach them too much where they're going to hurt somebody I'm not going to teach them too little where they're not actually learning something Uh, but by the same token you know I want them to have fun I want them to get a good workout and I want them to be able to you know feel what it's like to get hit a little bit feel what it's like to uh you know, go toe to toe with someone, you know, at least their size. So, you know, when to start sparring is kind of a, th- a thing in my mind. Because uh, for a while, uh, 
I didn't let even the adults, I didn't let them spar until, you know, my plan was really it's just going to be epons, you know, one step back and forth linear sparring until they got the green belt. But then when I discovered on, on at least in my situation was that uh the fundamentals that I was drilling uh actually took root much faster than I thought, you know, yay me. And uh and so one night I had a couple of my my senior white belts and I said, you know, okay, you know, let's not do one epons, let's not do one steps, let's just kind of free form, same thing. You know, uh, so it wasn't online, it was free form and you know, the whole idea was, you know, block block counter and then get away. And then I would do, you know, multiple techniques, a punch, a uh, kick, you know, and, and as, you know, I'm sure you've heard before, we uh, train from a defensive standpoint. So, you know, one person is attacking, one person is defending you know, all the time. Uh, it's not give and take, give and take. Um, so what I discovered to my delight was that these guys were utilizing their techniques fairly fluidly, pretty... Um, pretty reflexively and uh and they were doing great they had good control they had uh, a fairly good sense of um uh spacing and a fairly good sense of timing um you know one of my arguments yeah you know, I don't really like point sparring I don't like um uh really continuous sparring I don't like the give and take toe to toe stuff I like it much more from a def- defensive angle so uh although I think that's really good for timing. So I have kind of opened that up and, and stuck my toe in that water and, and had a, a little give and take on it every now and again. But the uh, the big flick is um, they surprised me. I, I, you know, I was I was thought I was going a little too slowly. As it turns out, I was going apparently just the right speed. So uh, I think that probably it's kind of up to the student <laughs> of when they're ready uh, because it's how how much they absorb it and how much they apply it. Uh, for me as the instructor, I have to identify when they're ready to do it because, I mean, I didn't see it. I mean, I'd, I'd seen it all along, but I, I guess I wasn't registering it. So I'm thinking that one of the great things about, um, about training that way is uh, taking it uh, as, as far as it can go within their, their you know, range of techniques and then saying okay now you can freestyle now you can run it out and being really cognizant of when that's going on so for kids now my next hurdle is to see when those kids are ready to you know they're doing some one steps right now but it's really riding hurt over them watching them making sure nothing's going wrong is uh is when to uh, pat them up and let them kind of go at it a little bit uh so you know for me for me it's I th- i think probably even for for anyone it's um, you know, you, you you spar when you're told to spar. Uh, you know, you because you can't, you know, really decide when you're going to defend yourself. Someone's going to attack you. You can try and control the situation, all that stuff like that. But eventually, someone's going to attack you. And you need to be ready. So, uh, at some point, I'm going to have the the kids in my class going at it um, with 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 pads and and a mouthpiece, headgear, the the whole nine yards. Uh, I imagine, um, but I just don't know when that's going to be. <laughs> you know, kind of, kind of one of my my big peeves is stances. I want their stances to be correct. I need the fundamentals in place. So, uh, you know, maybe that's a good point for people to get on the uh, on the forum and and share with us when they think when they started sparring or when uh, they think their students should start sparring. 
uh, all that madness. I think that'd be a, a really good topic. Uh, I think it's it's pretty much it's 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 when they're ready. I don't think it should be uh, before it was going to be rank based, but now it's kind of when they're ready based. Uh, and I I think that's as an instructor, it's an important thing because it's keeping help, makes me keep my eye on them and make sure that they are ready. Uh, you know, I had one of my students the other day, and you know, here we are on a tangent again. Uh, I let them teach some new students. Um, I thought they were ready for it, and I said, okay, you know, here, here's a, uh, a new student and a newish student that kind of had some of the basics down. I said, okay, now run the, the brand new student through the basics with them, and uh, because I I thought they were ready to, you know, go to that. They, they've been running the basics. They've been uh, leading kata. You know, I thought at their rank they should be able to uh, run the new students, but they they weren't. They were... You know, according to the rank, they should have been ready to to teach, but I think mentally they weren't really in that teaching mode, and I kind of had to swap them out with somebody who was more senior and let them run back and and pull them back. But again, as me as as an instructor, there's my hurdle. You know, identifying the the strengths and weaknesses in the students, and in this case, you know, everyone should be able to teach the levels below them uh, to uh, to a degree, and uh, that wasn't ready yet. Dagnabbit, and so that kind of let me down. So, so when to start sparring uh, as a student is as soon as you possibly can, <laughs> I think, uh, but within reason. You know, I mean, that's one of the reasons why the whole belt system was put in place, invented and put in place, was so that people would be evenly matched, right? So, uh, however, I think that within that level of belt system, you probably need to look at the student themselves and go like, okay, are they ready for this? You know, and at what level are they ready? Are they ready for uh, purely defensive? Are they, you know, ready for maybe a modified epon where it's, you know, one steps, but you know, it's just punches or it's just kicks or it's, you know, just two techniques. Or, you know, it's or it's always going to be, you know, a mental punch or it's always going to be a mental punch and always going to be a, a front kick. You know, that that kind of thing. And that's the way I structured it. And I think for me, it kind of paid off. I really do. Uh, I think uh, all my students that I have. Uh, run up that way. Uh, the guys that have no martial arts experience have picked it up really quickly, have adapted to it, and um, and although their technique may still be kind of quote-unquote mechanical or uh, not exactly as fluid as it would be, you know, like when they're doing their kata or whatever, the, the point is they're doing it reflexively, they're doing it um, uh, intuitively, and and they're they're applying things. Now, the great part about that is is then there's room to grow there. You can say, okay, now you're you're ready to spar, you're ready to do this, and you're also ready to apply your footwork, which is appropriate for your rank, or you're ready to apply the techniques that are pro- appropriate for your rank, whether it be a, you know, a counter, a takedown, uh, you know, a joint lock, if you can get it, uh, or just escaping. Uh, actually, one of the big problems I do have <laughs> with my students is trying to get them to realize that I don't always want them to engage. You know, uh, I actually had to talk to somebody uh, last week, and and they kept wanting to do, you know, throw a headlock on, or, or go into an armbar, and uh, you know the, the one the big problem with 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 that is like, look, you know, I don't want you to engage, I don't want you to engage because I don't want you to get into a fight, I want you to, uh, you know, defend yourself and get out. So I have to be really specific about that, otherwise uh, they'll get all kind of fired up, and and they're not really ready for that. They're because a lot of times it's where the body needs to be placed, it's where their feet needs to be placed and they haven't found that yet. But for the rank, that's appropriate. So, 
you know, uh, one thing that I do do is I point that out and and hope that you know let them work on it, and uh, and you know get them to talk and get them to share their techniques. Um, okay, let's see if we got any. <coughs> nope, no tweets, no texts, no emails. I see how you guys are, but it looks like I have a comment from our listener Scott, who says I've always preferred Geocumite for the most part. But we've seemed to integrate white belts after four to six weeks doing basic keons. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's kinda you know, where I am but luckily I've got my my two junior adults. Uh junior what what I mean, I mean their their white belts are ninth Q. Um uh, they're guys with previous martial arts experience. One guy's a judo guy, one guy's a, a kung fu guy, and I think he did some taekwondo for a while. So uh, they already have some martial arts experience, so they're actually ramping up much quicker. Uh, they can hit much harder. <laughs> uh, the judo guy can uh, move in on you and throw you pretty pretty well, which is actually pretty good because he can work with uh, the students because he's like a brown belt in judo. And so he can actually help them think about moving in uh, but whenever we go at it and he goes in for a throw, he kind of forgets that we can hit and kick, and so that kind of wakes him up every now and again. Uh, but it's good, decent fun. So thank you for that comment, um, Scott. You know, uh, one of the things that, that we talked about, uh, have often talked about on the show, is um, you know the responsibility for your training. And so I think that you know this is one of those aspects that's you know, it's kind of everybody's responsibility. You know, obviously, it's the instructor's responsibility to make sure they're where they are and where they need to be, and they're teaching at the correct level. Uh, but it's also the responsibility of you, the student, if you're listening. Me, the student, I'm still a student too. Is uh, is understanding where you're supposed to be going, and where you're at, uh, and and making sure that you're you know you're pushing your envelope, but you're comfortable in the envelope, and that you're you're ready for doing what you're what you're doing. So you know when to start sparring is as always, up to your instructor. However, uh, can also be uh, fully up to you. You know, if if there was some level of sparring, like if say someone wanted to do uh, kabuto sparring uh, with with live bladed uh, kama, I probably wouldn't be up for that right now. <laughs> you know, I, I know I know exactly where I'm at. Uh, let's see. Oh, Scott just commented again. Uh, I like the concept that Okinawans called Jokubo, free attack. Hand protection, uh, not point best. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's you know, uh, I uh, last Monday we were having class, and um, one of the things I did was I, I mean I, I make them start from a straddle stance, hands down, and and you know almost not exactly, but almost the weakest position they can start from because they have to get their hands up, they have to get into a stance, and they have to react to the attack. Now they know the attack's coming. And at that level, one of the things we were doing was actually just, you know, it was um, uh, a kick and a couple punches, you know, a uh, front kick and then, you know, a jab and a, and a hook or, you know, a jab and a, and a, and a cross. Um, and uh, so they knew what was coming. They didn't necessarily know uh, how fast or how high, <laughs> you know. So uh, that was one of the things. But so I, was, I just got them sitting in a, in a fairly natural position, you know, how they would be, maybe, necessarily, just standing on the sidewalk and some villain and or ruffian decided to unleash on them. Um, the great, the, or the interesting thing as an instructor is I'm trying to talk about doing this and do it at the same time, which also 
makes my technique kind of crappy, so I actually have to stop and focus. Uh, but it also leads me up there. Uh, one of the other things I also do during that is I have them do it a couple times, and then I rotate them out. So they're fighting somebody who's a different size, you know, different uh, arm length. We've got some people who are shorter. We've got some people who are taller. We've got some people who are stronger. And uh, you keep that going. Um, because one of the things I think that helps with uh, is, you know, if you're somebody who's smaller and maybe, you know, a lower-ranked person and you're fighting somebody who's bigger and maybe a black belt uh, and and stronger than you, you know, there's that f level of fear there. Uh, but, you know, you know what's coming in, and that it may help that learning curve come up a little bit quicker because you're in a more, much more comfortable place. Comfortable with with the caveat of someone's trying to punch you and hit you. Because um, one of the things I do is I start out slow, start out easy, and then I want to ramp it up, ramp up the speed, ramp up the power, you know, and uh, perform techniques that are appropriate for the rank. So, uh, you know, for white belts and stuff, you know, it's just pretty much block, maybe a block and a punch. Green belts, it's, you know, the change body, block and counter, block and counter with a, a grab or a trap. Uh, and then, it, you know, it comes up according to your rank. So I think that's kind of a, a, an important learning curve to hit uh, as you as you train is to, uh, you know, just ramp up. Remember, it's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a journey. It's not a destination. You know, we had the question uh, two weeks ago when we were doing our other live show again uh, from uh, the listener who was asking about MMA. And uh, I said, you know, one of the good things about MMA is you know, there's a, a relatively small set of techniques, and you train the poop out of them for a specific reason. Um, I think within uh, traditional martial arts, you can still kind of do the same thing, uh, and and that that's maybe you know one of the one of the things that I've maybe kind of pulled from our, our mixed martial arts brothers and sisters is uh, you know small set of techniques and, and drill on them until they work there's you know that's kind of probably one of the reasons why you're seeing people you know falling to you know, like front kicks and and back fists and, and MMA now is because that that set was so small that it didn't include a counter to those techniques and, and until someone you know picks them up and and defends against them you know you, people are going to still you know lose to them just like they did then you know to Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu when it first showed up you know uh people fell to that all the time so um y if you <coughs> keep your your concepts tight um your applications i think need to be pretty small and and just drill them which you know kind of like what we were doing in our class was just drill them you know okay this this is the punch this is the kick uh you know uh here's a hook you know here's a jab you might see that a lot you know there's going to be a kick you know of some kind and drill within that parameter until it becomes pretty comfortable and then uh, I, I did a video a, a while back for my students uh, it's actually on my YouTube site too uh, of you know the same attack with you know different responses taken from the kata I go okay now here's you know here's the the down block and the counter for this from this kata here's the uh, you know the trap and the strike from this kata you know but it's it's the same the same attack uh, you know the, the uke is doing the same thing every time and you're just doing a technique okay well here's a you know a small set of techniques that you can uh, take out from kata apply to this technique uh 
and since you if you drill kata about a bazillion times, that's going to come out naturally, and uh, you don't have to think about it. It may be overly complicated. You may have to just take a chunk of that out, but you know your body will tell you what to do when that happens. Um, so I think if you keep it all drilled in and keep it small, it's also easier for people who want to learn how to spar, because then all they have to do is take that small set of techniques they know. And the, I, I tell my guys all the time, keep it simple, keep it simple, keep it simple. Uh, just say, you know, I may close in on them. I may, you know, do something to control the head. I may do something to control the arm. I may throw a, a little slip kick in there to uh, destroy the foundation or whatever. But usually, whatever I do, and then I'm like, look, here's my door. Here's my way out. Here's, you know, my counter. Or here, here's how I, I push them off. Um, you know, to uh, keep, you know, myself in the defensive mode and not the engagement mode. Because if someone comes at me and punches and I do, you know, a block and a counter and then, you know, I go into a, a clinch or, you know, I push them off and square off again, then I'm, I'm, I'm engaging and I'm prolonging, which I don't want my students to do that. I don't actually want to do that. So keeping that set of of techniques small also I think helps uh, a student keep that in mind of like there's only so much I can do because there's really only so much you need to do uh, you know we've all seen uh, videos of street fights and stuff like that there's not like there's a huge variety of techniques that are thrown in any of those uh, you know there's just you know, and when the student can apply those they're ready to move on to the next step. So, you know, when my students are, getting back to what I was talking about, when my students have their stances down and understand how to move between those stances and uh, how to uh, move while applying their technique, then, you know, they're ready for Ipong Kumite. They're ready for one-step sparring. And then, you know, when they've gotten that down where they understand their range and their control and, uh, you know, timing and and understanding body movement and stuff like that, then they get to apply a little more complex techniques within that, and then they get to apply, um, you know, change body, and, and then they get to apply the, the free-form movement and uh, dynamic uh, epons, as I like to call them. Um, but, you know, it's still that small set of techniques, and they just drill and drill and drill and drill, and so then when they're when it goes to, okay, let's go. And I guess uh, uh, the other anecdote that, that I'll share was then we actually went to a tournament, it was a federation tournament uh, a few months ago, actually, I guess last year, uh, last year in November, I think, um, and uh, only a couple of my students went, and only one engaged in the kumite, uh, but he did really well, and from the, I was judging, so I didn't get to watch him the whole time, but from what I understand, he did really well, and then he said, yeah, I just, you know, I kept it simple. You know, everyone was hopping around and doing their thing and jumping and, and trying to do that because it was continuous sparring. It wasn't uh, point sparring. And he would just let them come in. They would throw a kick. He'd do a leg block or, or whatever and counter. Boom, which is just what we were doing in the uh, the dynamic uh, the dynamic Ipon Kumite. So, you know, as an instructor, I felt pretty jazzed that the stuff that I've been blabbing actually, you know, it made sense to me and it seemed to apply in class. Well, now it applied against somebody that they'd never sparred against. So I was pretty stoked about that. Uh, and, uh, you know, so when to start people on that, I guess, is just as soon as they, you know, have crossed that barrier, when you can see that they've got a grasp on that technique, it's time to move them in to the application of that technique. And so, you know, and, and really the best way to do it is to 
you know, do it against somebody else. Uh, it's easy to punch the air. It's easy to <laughs> to uh, to to do it within the confines of you know normal linear techniques, but it really needs to be a little more free form, a little more uh, flowing. But you gotta you can't set them up for failure. You gotta get them ready. They've gotta have a, an understanding of the technique. And of course, say in the the flip side of that argument, because I can always see both sides, is but you may not be able to see it unless you put them out there. So, you know, there, there is an argument to be made about, you know, putting them out there, let them spar, and see what happens. Um, usually when I do that, we end up walking back. <laughs> I'll say, get out there, do your thing, technique, 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 okay, they're losing sight of what's going on. Um, and so I'll walk it back and, and go back and, and maybe say, okay, I'm seeing this technique a lot. I'm seeing uh, a lot of, you know, kick punch, kick punch, kick punch. Okay, so now let's just break it down to a kick punch and here you can do these techniques to get a kick punch and take it from being, you know, a melee to making it much more like Geo Kimite, you know, um, which I think is kind of cool. Uh, anyway, so I think we've been going for about 45 minutes and I think I'm just about done talking because I'm sure Scott and the couple of the people that are, are streaming it are probably tired of me yakking and uh, i only want to talk about a couple of topics and uh, then move on. Because, I mean, I know you guys really miss uh, Dan, who unfortunately couldn't make it tonight, but uh, he, uh, I think, is actually uh, guest hosting on a, on another uh, podcast that, that's on on Wednesdays, and uh, you guys may want to flip over and check that. Uh, I'll wait. Oh, that's right. We're the only ones on. Anyway. Um, oh, bazing. Anyway, um... Uh, thank you, Scott. He's, uh, Scott says he's enjoying the live lesson. Yeah, you know, we did these for a while. Time to get meta. Uh, you know, we, we did these for a while, and we had a few people listen, and, and, and you know, some people liked it, uh, but it didn't really get the, the, the drive that we wanted. Um, so, and there were, there were some audio issues and, and whatnot, so we decided to go ahead and just make it, you know, just we do it whenever. Uh but when we have a, again, we want to get back on schedule, so Wednesday night we're, we're doing it, but if a conflict comes up, um, I'm still going to, if, unless the conflict is with me, <laughs> I'm still going to, and I guess, you know, Dan can get on by himself if he wants to. Uh, but, you know, what we um, want to do is um, keep it regular, and uh, we'll, we'll do our regular shows where we record and talk to people and do our interviews, but when not, we want to, you know, when it's just me, I feel that, if I'm putting it out there uh, on the internet and uh, talking to you and uh, people who actually log in and, and give us some feedback, it's a little more organic and I feel like I'm actually talking to somebody, much like I do with Dan. Um, so I appreciate Scott and the uh, other people who are listening. Uh, if anyone who is listening to the recorded podcast is wondering what I'm saying is you can actually stream this when we do a live and I, I know I sent it out late. Uh, we didn't know Dan wasn't going to be able to make it until it was too late, so I just hopped on and scheduled the show, much like last or two weeks ago. Um, you can actually stream this, and uh, you don't actually have to uh, log in or, or have a login or, or anything, and you can call in. So uh, if you guys want to do that the next time we do it live, we'd love to have you on. Uh, leave a comment, leave a suggestion, chit-chat, whatever. It would be great. Uh, Anyway, and as always, remember, go to our sponsor, uh, Piranha Gear, at PiranhaGear.com. Let them know that we sent you. You can get all manner of uh, karate stuff there. They've got the pink geese. We were talking about those. Uh, the pink judo geese, the, the Jean LaBelle special. You can get those. They've got Hakama uh, for our Aikido friends who need the magic pants. 
um, which I'm still waiting for my 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 test pair of those, Bill. If you're listening, I'd I'd love a pair of Hakama to uh, try out and uh, you know see if I can get the power and. Uh, and I think they just look cool. Uh, but he's got all kinds of equipment. Uh, he's got a blog there with uh, all kinds of advice on how to take care of your equipment and uh, the process that, that he goes through to select equipment. Remember, Bill is a martial artist, so he knows what he's talking about when he orders his equipment. Um, if you want to support the show, go to chroniccafe.com, click on support. You can donate. You can go to any of our fine sponsors as well as Corona gear. Uh, you can go to our store at karatecafe.com slash store and uh, buy some books and DVDs that we've selected. You can pick up the books for any of the people that we've interviewed uh, and uh, that will help up the show. You can also go to karatecafe.com slash Amazon and that will take you to Amazon proper through our link and if you buy stuff there, we also get a piece of that which will also help us out and we would appreciate it. Uh, okay, and with that, I will wrap this up. I want to thank, again, Scott from Illinois, who was listening and logged in. I would like to thank the other people that are that are listening. I would like to thank you guys that are listening now on the recording. And we will talk to you all again very soon. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of Karate Cafe. Remember, you can help support this podcast by going to our sponsor, Piranha Gear. Go to piranhagear.com and let them know Karate Cafe sent you. You can also support the show by donations. Go to KarateCafe.com, click on the support button, donate as much as you like, or as little as a dollar a show. That's all we ask. And as always, you can continue the conversation on the forums at KarateCafe.com. We'll talk to you again very soon.